Welcome to the Bootstrappers Podcast, where we help entrepreneurs scale their business with remote teams. I'm your host, Jeremy Aspen, here with my co-host and spouse, Gwen Aspen. And together, we have helped hundreds of companies grow their business through remote professionals. If you want to achieve those big, hairy, audacious goals for your business, this is the podcast for you. On today's podcast, are you using video and social media to attract top performers to your company? Most of us missed the mark, but on today's episode, we'll learn how to maximize networking in the digital age with our guest, Matt Vi, CEO and co-host of Brokerpreneur Podcast, and an expert on people management, and today, you'll learn how to move into that CEO role. So with that, let's bring Matt to the conversation. Welcome to the show, Matt. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Gwen. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeremy. I, I love being on here. I, I tuned into a couple of podcasts. You guys are fantastic. I, I love that. Oh, you're way too kind. Hey, who's better, me or her? Let's <laughs> Don't put him, put on, him the on the spot. He just <laughs> met oh, us. Man. He just met us. Oh, <laughs> but um, I'll tell you right now, I, I know a trap when I see one. <laughs> So uh, you help CEOs and people who maybe are making that transition from the sales role to CEO. And as Jeremy and I know, that's no walk in the park for anybody. Um, so, but it, it's really helpful to kind of understand some of your background. Can you kind of give us a little background of how you got to this position? Yeah, absolutely. And and thank you again for, for having me on. I, re I really appreciate it. Like I said, I, I've tuned into some of your podcasts. They're, they're fantastic. So, oh. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm not going to go all the way back to me being a, the youngest of six kids, okay? <laughs> okay. But uh, I'll will save you guys from uh, from that. But uh, but you know I, I got into got into real estate. Had a couple of full time jobs. Got into real estate. Bought a brokerage within a couple of years of of being it. Turned it around. Sold that. Went to work as a regional manager for for a really large uh, real estate company in, in Georgia. You know, we did real well through all of that, and uh, and then of course, you know, the the, the big reset hit, and uh, you know, every you know, we till probably about a, a eleven or twelve, I was with that company, and super great people, right? But it was a family-owned company; everything contracted. I wasn't family, and, uh, yeah. and so it was just time for me to, to to shift, right? And so I was originally from uh, from Tampa. Uh, now I will put out there, uh, you guys are in Omaha, right? Yes, so, um, beautiful Omaha, Nebraska. <laughs> I'm a Georgia Bulldog. We're not going to talk any college football. Right <laughs> well, please don't. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't, don't want to talk about to college bring football. To it, so. <laughs> hey, why did the screen just go black? Why did it just go yeah. Right? Yeah. Hit that <laughs> butt. Oh. That's right. So, uh, so you know, I, I was I was in Georgia, but then moved back here because I had I had family, and then you know was in the same role. You know, I I ran an office, but uh, but always uh. You know, as a regional manager and stuff like that, the, a key thing with uh, with me, and I know you guys are similar from again listening to the to the podcast. You know, if if I was a broker that was selling real estate and running an office, a company might keep me because I've got sales and I'm making some money, even if I'm not a great broker, mm. right? So uh, so I had to be a great broker because I was non-competing. My contract always said mm. I was non-competing. Mm. So either I was kick-ass and learned and, and was profitable, or I didn't have I didn't keep a job. And uh, and so you know it taught me to teach the to teach myself in part that and, and we could probably talk about why I had to teach myself but but you know the 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 real estate world you know really helps people who want to help themselves if they look at their real estate business like it's a business mm -hmm. if you just look at it like you're a salesperson you struggle so right? 
I this actually I just want to stop you because there's such an important point here. And it is that sometimes you can be a great salesperson and if you're not really good at looking at your books, it can obscure the fact that your business isn't profitable in and of itself. I'm sure Absolutely. as you coach other CEO brokers, do you see that all the time? Man, I see it way too much. And and so super super great point, Gwen. You know, it, the Michael Gerber talks in the EMF, right? Just because you're a great electrician doesn't mean you can run the electric company. Yes. And and a lot of brokers, you know, run into that. You know, they they uh, they're really good at sales, and they and they want to grow something. They want to contribute. They want to help. They want to give back. And then there's this whole business part of what mm -hmm. they have to do, and they and they end up struggling with it. And so that's where I kind of come in, you know, and and. You know, we're you know, Dr. Ben is a co-host of a Brokerpreneur podcast, and uh, there's a whole nother story about a, a, about him. You know, he got into he got into real estate and just killed it in his first year, and did it in very non-traditional ways. And talking to me, he was like, "Matt, you need to, you know, you need to talk to uh, talk to more people than than what you're talking to." Is kind of how we ended up where we where we are right now. And uh, and so you know, we get the chance to talk to brokers that are that are struggling with that transition. Right. Mm -hmm. They want to do it. And but they, you know, they got to get out of sales enough so they can get into running their business. Yes. But, but sometimes that's hard. You know, you got to keep the doors open at the same time. Right? So I have a question for you about that. So when you so through your podcast, you meet a bunch of brokers who are like, I need help. I, I'm struggling here. And you're like, cool, I got you. We will figure this out together. Is the first part of this gaining clarity with their financial statements so they know where they stand? <laughs> yes. So, uh, so very close, Gwen. That I, I think the number one thing for for us is know thyself, right? Mm -hmm. Why are you Why are you doing that? Because because absolutely, that's where the mess happens is in the books. You you hit the nail on the on the head there. Okay, but sometimes we talk to brokers and we're like. Dude, you just need to hire somebody and I need to talk to them, right? You, mm. you need to go back into sales, go do your thing, go go generate revenue. Let me talk to somebody else because you don't want to look at the books. You don't want to look, right? So a, a big thing that we do with our brokers, this is probably important to say because this could kind of guide some of our conversation here. You know, whether it's Harvard Business School or Stanford or, or you know, Wharton's or whatever, you know, they all agree that, that, that you know, companies break down into four main components, right? It's, it's sales, it's marketing it's finance and it's compliance, okay, or organizational processes, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you say that to a real estate agent, man, they fall asleep before you get to finance, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and not being mean, right, just being straight mm -hmm. up. Well, a, a lot of times brokers are, are a real estate agent in a broker suit, okay, just because mm -hmm. they kind of had to be. So when we talk to brokers, I say, listen, we've got to talk about these four things. But when I help them recruit or I help them talk to their agents, you still have to talk about those four things, but you have to, we're real big on vocabulary. You have to change your vocabulary to match what the agent needs and is used to hearing. So we say it's, you know, leads, cost, revenue, expenses, training or development and culture. Those are those, those are those same four fundamentals, but it's said in a very real estate way. Mm -hmm. So, so Glenn, you're, to your point, absolutely right. As soon as they know their self, as soon as they know what they're trying to accomplish, man, we got to roll the sleeves up and we got to look at the books. Okay, so exactly. So on. if I'm a broker and I'm struggling and I meet with you and you're like, know thyself, how, I guess, how would they self-diagnose their problem areas? Because Jeremy and I are bootstrappers. 
And we know that we can morph into any job you want us to because that's how we've survived, you know, especially at the beginning. So what are some of the questions uh, people should ask themselves to determine where they're they best fit at the company? Yeah. So uh, I think I think the first question uh, goes to the root of what you just said. You guys are those type of people. And you and whether you like it or not, you have the capabilities of being those bootstrapper type of people. Okay. Brokers have to ask themselves, do they really want to be that person? Yeah. Right. So so we've got something called the Brokerpreneur Podcast. Okay. That's half broker and that's half entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You gotta be ready to dig into both of those pieces of, of what you do. And uh and so that that really is the first question. You know, do you do you love doing what you're doing or do you hate doing what you're doing? But we, we kind of start with a personality test because that's going to tell us ah. a lot of what questions to, to ask. Which personality doing. test do you use? Uh, so, all right. So, uh, I, Gwen, I can. So as you guys probably can tell already, man, I love this. <laughs> I can talk about all of this all day long. Right? I mean, we could have a 96 hour podcast. We could beat <laughs> Joe Rogan on how long a podcast. Can be, right? <laughs> so, uh, so. Back whenever I told you in the beginning, I had a couple of jobs. One of my jobs, I worked with a human resource company, and uh, and I taught uh, uh, personality profiling to the criminal investigative division of the IRS. Okay, and and so there was a course that we taught, and I thought it was the greatest course in the world because it was designed to help someone understood it sit down with someone else and figure out the person on the other side. Right, so ah. for a very long time. I was like, man, this is just, this is super cool. I love knowing this and, and there's a whole story why, why it really resonated with me, but we'll do that some other time. And up until very recently, that's what we used. We used a, a, a type of that program. But recently I came across the, the, the bank code program. I don't know if you guys- No, no. we use cultural index. Oh man, listen, I'm telling you, this is game changer. I will get you in touch with Michelle. It's called uh, the Michelle what? Bar. The bank code. Bank, bank code. code. Yeah, let me tell you the let me tell you the mind blowing part of this. And I'm, I'm pretty I'm, I was pretty versed in, in personality profiles, right? So and you know everything from DISC to you know anchor programs and True Colors and all that kind of stuff. You know I was I, I dug into to all of it. So so you know everybody kind of agrees that there's four personalities, right? Two of the half of them are people people, and the other half are process people. But it really breaks down into four personalities, right? Well, what I didn't know until I was talking to Michelle, which kind of blew my mind, is the, the first one is who we are most of the time, right? The second one is the one that supports that, but this is what blew my mind. The third one is the one that causes stress in us. Mm-hmm. And the fourth one is the one we avoid. And so I, you know, I had probably 15 or 20 years of, of going through personality stuff and teaching classes and all that. And I was like, holy crap, that third one is the key. How did I not know that before? So, the, so it's a, uh, the third one, when you say one, you're referring to like a characteristic? Uh, per, so there's, so it's called a, it's called bank code. Okay. And, and B is, uh, B is for blueprint. Bless you. B is for blueprint, uh, A, I don't remember what it is, N is nurture, and K is, uh, A is action, N is, uh, is nurture, and K is knowledge, okay? And so there's there's fundamental things that fall under that of things that, that, that are uh, characteristics of you. And so one person's bank code might be B, A, and K, another person's might be N, K, A, B, another, okay? Okay, so, you so it's what you, what, so there's certain, out of these four things, there are ones that are really prominent, and then by the last one, it's you're not less, it's your least prominent trait, and then they avoid their least common, like whatever they're the least strong, yeah, and they the avoid opposite. it. Yeah, that's the opposite of that's the opposite of them. So the the best way to uh, ah. the best way to explain it is, you know, on on Saturday afternoon when you're completely by yourself, 
sitting in your underwear on the couch, drinking a beer, watching college football. Right? <laughs> no who, who are you? That's that's the first one. The last one is the person you would never want to see on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's the, that's the last one. But the first two kind of support it. Everybody's a little bit of all of them, right? We know. Sure. That. The first the first two are the ones that really uh, that that really resonate the most with us. But the key to me that, that made me look closer at this, and we offer this to all of our clients right now, right? We, we pay for our clients to have this program. It's a, it's a, it's a killer program, right? Because I didn't want them making a choice of whether they did this or not, okay? But the, but the third one is the one that causes stress in you. And to me, that was a big deal. Because now when they do their bank code, if, if it comes up that blueprint or knowledge is the one they stress, which, which is the process that's part of that, then I'm like, okay, they're, they're probably not going to be a finance person. So when I ask for the books, they're going to kind of run me around for two weeks because they got to hurry up and put them together and they're trying to get in touch with their accountant and all that kind of stuff. So I know looking at that personality kind of where part of that struggle is. Mm-hmm. Now I know we went a long way to paint that picture. Okay. I apologize about that. But, but, uh, but the, no, but it's the, really interesting because yeah, that's what people have to ask themselves. Cause I think they, everyone, um, thinks they want to be a manager, for example, you know, like that's the career path. Like I'm a salesperson. Now yeah. I have to manage people because what else am I going to do? But then they get into that role. And I think what you're saying with the personality is you can be so stressed out by trying to mold yourself into something that you're not, that you can create health problems for yourself. You can have extra um, conflict in your life. You actually could be more susceptible to accidents like there are a lot of bad things that happen if people are trying to mold themselves into a job that just doesn't fit them. Well, and it's an easy it's easy to get tricked into it because if you're a phenomenal salesperson, it seems like the logical next step is a sale is to be a sales manager. Um, but those skill sets are not at all related, except that a sales manager that's done sales has a little bit of empathy for what the salespeople might be going for, but the rest they know of the, the skill-, skill set, but then transferring the knowledge and, and holding people accountable yeah. and all those things that, that you're talking about with like the, um, the more the detail orientation is a lot of things that salespeople struggle with. Well, and then to bring it into the entrepreneur sphere a little bit, um, the salesperson in real estate, which we've got some experience with is that uh, when they go into the management side of things, they might have been killing it as a salesperson, but then you've got to roll into that finance area because really the role of a property manager is to manage other people's money. And in order to do that effectively, you have to have a pretty thorough understanding of it or have definitely found a way to make sure that your system is is more than competent at maintaining somebody else's books and, and, and from oh yeah and entrepreneurs for, can flex can kind of move around a little bit and and make some of that happen for a while but at some point if you're not a finance kind of a person you better get that off your plate as fast as possible and get someone who's better at and it and matt you work with brokers so what you're doing like if people are bad with the finances are they commingling people's commissions and i'm sure there are a bunch of bad things that can happen so, so you guys just unpacked a lot. I mean, this is like Christmas time for me, right? So, so let's dig into that. But like I said, vocabulary, vocabulary is everything for me. Okay. And uh, it helps me kind of take out of my head and get it the right way to the people that I'm, that I'm talking about. So, you know, there's a difference between a, a, a sales manager and a managing broker or a branch manager or a regional manager. And, and it, there's a different job description with all of that. And sometimes people get into a, a brokerage and they're like, Hey, I want to be a broker. 
okay, what kind of broker do you want to be? Do you want to be a recruiting broker? Is that your primary focus? And you're going to have other people help you out with all of these other parts? Or are you just going to be a sales manager? Your job is there to just drive sales as much as possible with, uh, with everybody. Or are you going to manage the entire uh, manage the entire office? So whenever we're looking at their personality and we're looking at what they're good at and we're looking at all these other pieces, that helps us formulate whether they're the one that needs to dig into the finance. Because some of the companies that we've got are, are you know, one man show. There's them, there's them and one or two agents. And then, and you know, we've got a, another client that's coming on board that's 160 agents in three locations. We've got another client that's that's uh, 890 agents, about to about the top 900 with with 20 offices. So all of that, we have to understand and be on the same page with what that person's role within that office is. Otherwise, I'm spending time with them on things that really don't matter and aren't going to impact what they're trying to accomplish with their specific need when it comes to profitability. Okay. So so with the profitability, though, so there are a few things I wanted. I know we only have, we don't have the 96 hours that I wish we all had. <laughs> But um, you talk about profitability being a, a core focus of the people that you work with. And um, and then you talk about attracting re- and retaining talent, which we, uh, in this podcast, we talk to people from a lot of different industries, but that remains, regardless of your industry, a huge challenge. So I'm wondering what you have seen work well in this very competitive economic environment. Okay. So if I had one word, I would say video. If I just oh. had to break one word, I would I would say video. But here's here's you know we can't use just one word uh, because you could just put videos out of whatever. But that's the that's the fundamental and the reason why is because it's easy to display who you are because people need to know, like, and trust you in order to to attract them and it be the right people and it be who you want to spend time with. And video is a great way of putting that a, a great way of putting that out there. But remember, I said in the beginning, you know, know thyself, right? So, so we've got a lot of our brokers that a big part of the reason why they're struggling with the talent attraction, they're, they're man, we get on the phone and, and they're crying, literally crying about how much they want to help their agents and their agents be better for the people and the customers that they're dealing with. And I'm like, that's what the people around you have to see, not you crying necessarily, yeah. but, but they have to see that that's what you want for them those right people that want to be around it. Cause some people are going to be like, man, I don't want to have any part of that. that. That person just doesn't fit me. Other people are going to be like, man, that's where I want to be. I want to be around that passion. Mm-hmm. That's how they attract it. And on the front end, if you're good at that, that's how you retain. That's where those legacy profits come in is, is if you can get those people that connect with you the right way. So, so I've, I've got to dig into another piece here to kind of, to kind of push this point, a point across if that's, if that's okay. Right. So recruiting has, in, in my opinion, recruiting has four fundamental pieces to it. There's there's the appointment process, right? How you connect with people, how you get in front of them. Then there's the interview process, right? That's when you're actually talking to them and having conversations. And there's post-interview, and then there's onboarding, okay? The step that most people screw up or omit is doing onboarding a certain way. Oh they my gosh. How much do we agree with him? Uh- uh, yeah, it, we've run into it. I mean, it was years ago that it was a problem, but you know, I'm sure it still happens. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy was speechless there for a moment, but I do. I feel like this onboarding process is forgotten in a lot of companies, and when someone gets started, they're all excited, they're ready to go, and then it's like all the air, 
comes out of their sails because mm-hmm. they're like, this is disorganized or it doesn't feel good. And then you can spend all this money on marketing and attracting and interviewing. But if you get that wrong, your melt rate will really affect your profitability, which is the goal in the long run. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You, you've been promising them whatever for however long. And then the real interaction with you about whether or not they're going to, whether or not they're going to get what you were promised. When are you doing that? It's when you're on. And what do most people do? They sit there and they go over the paperwork, right? They're like, okay, we, you know, you said yes. So now it's time for me to get the paperwork done. And then later on we can do whatever it is. No, man, damn it. That's the time to deliver the promises that you said you were going to deliver as many of them as possible. And so that's when the support should really be coming through. That's when the, the 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 systemization should come through. That's when your culture should come through. That's when all of that should be happening. The the paperwork should be the small part of it. If you don't have your paperwork taken care of and processed, shame on you. Get some RPA, get some AI, get a program, get a platform, get a system, get something, but get that in order so that you onboard people properly so you can spend that time dealing with them as the people that you hired mm-hmm. instead of And you have to wow them like you would a client. I mean, they are your client on that onboard day. And uh, that takes a lot of deliberate action on the front end and being organized and having checklists and then also a playbook or, you know, like a guide of like, here's our culture, here are our values. This is the, these are the things that we're gonna go over over the next couple of days. Here's your timeline for knowledge. Here's how you can get extra help, right? What other things need to be in well, that playbook? And just to interject a little yeah. bit. So we hire, you know, maybe 80, different, 80 people a month. And one of the things that we've kind of had to take control over, and, and these are remote workers, and uh, we've kind of had to take control or at least grab the reins of, is you know making sure that email accounts are set up making sure that the software that they're going to be using is set up if it's sophisticated enough of a company to actually have procedures that they have access to the the procedures and policies because i would say on average you know but for our kind of um promoting that activity i'd say maybe 10 percent of the clients that we work with have that sort of a system already set up like a professional and we and we don't expect our clients to be perfect by any stretch of the imagination that's why we're there to like walk them through like what are your expectations for this person when do you expect them to be competent at this particular part of their role and so to jeremy's point though we support our clients in that effort because it's a challenge and that's why people come to you also so you can get them uh, on board. I mean, everyone knows as an entrepreneur, sometimes we're all so hard on ourselves. We're like, oh my God, I'm not perfect yet. Well, it takes time. It takes knowledge. And that's why, you know, there are people who are there to support and hold your hand while you go through it so you can get everything in order. That's what husbands are for, to kind of let you know that you're not perfect yet. Right? <laughs> Isn't that? Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 yeah, y'all, are, uh, again, there's some confusion here on, I can't quite hear you. I'm staying right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> audio, issues, yeah. audio issues, audio issues. Oh, yeah, check that audio because I didn't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you do you support them in making sure that that's a wow experience for their employees, so that they're not you know negative on their first day. You would never want that for somebody that you spent a lot of time or bored. Ooh. Bored is a really dangerous one on that first day or the first couple of days. 
that's a if if we if you have a brand new employee and they're just sitting there waiting for an email or wait, stuff like that, it's uh, really frustrating. If you can't launch, you're sitting on the pad just like. Okay, so you're talking about though for attracting retaining, it's more of a system. It's a system for networking. It's a system for talking to people, getting people on board, and then onboarding. What other big takeaways do you think um, people should should take from attracting and retaining best talent in today's very competitive environment? Yeah, so so absolutely you have to have a system of getting out who you are, right? So that's what we mm-hmm. talked about. That's where video kind of really comes into a video really comes into play in, in, in my opinion. But you, you also have to direct them to different types of media because different types of media are really acceptable to them. So, you know, funnel, the word funnels used so much these days, right? I'll, I'll be careful how I use it. But imagine them going into a funnel and some of that funnel is going to be delivered by text. Some of that funnel is going to be delivered by, by email. Some of that funnel is going to be delivered by video. You're having to constantly stay in touch with them until the time comes. You're basically renting space in their head. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me tell you what I, what I mean by that, right? So, you know, whenever I was recruiting, a, a bunch of the top talent that I recruited, the top agents that were really productive, they were busy in their business. And the first couple of times I talked to them, they were like, man, man, I don't want anything, I don't want anything to do with you. What are you, what are you calling me? I'm, I'm happy where I'm at. I would never leave, right? All those objections that people get all the time. Well, there's a lot of managers out there that believe that crap. The, the truth is, if, if the, you're a better situation for them and you really believe that you're a better situation for them, it is your job to put that on display until the time comes that they're ready to make that transition. And, and so that's what a lot of managers don't uh, uh, just don't do. They, they, you know, there's a little bit of ego there. They take the rejection a little harder than maybe they should. And they're like, you know what, I'm just going to move on to the next one, right? There's enough agents out there next and they, and they go on and they continue that they continue their smile and dial, right? When I heard no, I was like, completely understand. Look, I'd love to stay connected. I'm going to send you some information at some point. I hope it helps you out with your business. If it's okay, I love knowing productive agents in the market. I'll just check in every now and again. Is that okay? And if an agent at that point said no, you know, I never, right, I couldn't get off the phone fast enough. But that's not what happened most of the time. Most of the time they were like, oh, you called me in the middle of my busy day and asked me a favor because you're trying to hit your numbers of how many agents you're recruiting this this week or this month. And, and when I say no, you get pissed and you hang up. That's how agents look at it. They're getting that phone call 50 times a year, 60 times a year. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, absolutely. And and so, so what I did instead is I'm like, I, I just want to stay connected. And so that's where that whole thing renting space in their head came in, right? And I so love it. I cool articles. I'd, I'd send them something that was great information, right? That's when I started putting podcasts out. That's when I started, you know, I've got tons of lead magnets that our, that our brokers get to get to use that are things that are already figured out. But if the person says, you know, uh, you know, I've got a ton of leads already, you know, I'm busy, I don't have a whole lot of time for it, then they know to send out a time management lead magnet to that person. And we've already built it. They just, they just take the URL and send it out and it's all good to go. So, so we help them have better conversations and stay consistent with the person. So that way, when the time comes, the person's like, okay, I, I do want to make a change. I am thinking of something else. Who would I think about? Oh, yeah, Matt. He's been a great guy for a year and a half or two years, which happened to me all the time. I can't tell you how many people I converted 
after the two-year mark. Well, Matt, I think that this is awesome advice, even if you're not trying to get brokers, uh, or I'm sorry, get real estate agents on board, like for any entrepreneur out there, um, this market is really tight for uh, top talent. And so it's important to maybe weekly, just always making make sure that you're reaching out to people that you really would love to work with and just make sure that you keep that network those networking connections strong because maybe in your business you're not ready for someone of a specific talent but later you see as you grow that you'll want to attract them and so i think what this new um, employee market is doing is it makes people who own businesses have to be more thoughtful about always keeping their employee pipe line full and making time for those networking coffees dinners events so that they can get the right people at the right time when they need them that, you're so spot on Lynn that is absolutely hundred uh, percent I'm we'll leave it at that okay okay that's, that's how good that was Glenn <laughs> So, um, Matt, um, this has been so enlightening. Um, I, I've really gotten a lot out of this uh, this conversation. We've talked about um, knowing yourself and being honest about your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, the four areas, sales, marketing, finance, compliance. Compliance and just that's, thinking. That's worth drilling down on in, in other conversations because I think a lot of people get distracted and trying to be everything. Or you focus on what you like and you ignore the things you don't like, which is what you were talking about, Matt. Um, yeah. Additionally, uh, just making sure that you're out there online in an effective way using video. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable. I mean, marketing is uh, online marketing is really difficult these days. Cool. So people are uncomfortable with the sophistication level that they have to exhibit online. And sometimes people do a set and forget with their website and they forget to update it. And then that affects the way that they attract and retain top talent and then having a funnel that's similar to your sales pipeline but for people seems like yep. the other big takeaway for me mm -hmm. yeah cool thanks so much for coming on board with uh onto the show with us it's fantastic yeah, yeah I, I love it and i'm and anytime i like i said i can i can talk real estate i, I love this there's so many you know we didn't talk about 552 we didn't talk about you know 441 there, there's so many other things that we could dig into that are just real easy things that whether somebody's you know working directly with us or not they're going to get it they're going to get a huge amount of help out of and basically I, I everyone it. needs to listen to your podcast brokerpreneur yeah, I appreciate that. I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, and we'll put that contact information and links to the podcast down um, in the notes below. Well, and yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Matt, yeah. thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, no, we, we love it. I'm super grateful. I really appreciate it. Dr. Ben and I would love to help out anytime on, on uh, anytime you need something specific topics that are real estate broker stuff. We'd love to do it. And we, and Ben would kill me if, uh, if I didn't invite you guys on to our, our podcast. Okay, so we'd love to. We'd love to have you uh, come over there and talk and and uh, and share a little bit more about what what you guys do. So sounds amazing. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Fantastic. Yep. Thanks, guys. If you want to solve your labor challenges, scale your business faster than your competition, alleviate back office support struggles, and overcome operational challenges with the most talented workforce, then Anaquim is what you need today. We'll take. Our support beyond the podcast to focus on your company's needs with a specific and proven way to overcome challenges and grow your bottom line fast. Contact us directly so we can get started today. 
Uh, our emails are in the show notes, and our website is aniquim.net.